Halloween is just around the corner, and in honor of this holiday of ghosts and ghouls, the Jackalopes are taking a look at the origins of a few of our favorite monsters of legend. You're listening to the Jackalopes Explore. This episode of Jackalopes Explore is brought to you by Sheridan Stationery Books and Gifts, located at 535 North Main Street in Sheridan. Stop by today to peruse books, stationery, gifts, sports cards, and more. Or visit us at SheridanStationeryBooks.com. I'm Floyd Whiting. I'm Aaron Linden. I'm Steve Sisson. And we are your Jackalopes. Uh, Emmy was feeling a little under the weather this week, so she is back home resting, and uh, we're all hoping... That everything's all right, especially me. Now, <laughs> the one thing about legends and myths, since the dawn of mankind, uh, threats to our safety loomed in the shadows. So mankind, much like we continue to do uh, and, and practice today, fills in the gaps of knowledge or, or a, an attempt to explain natural occurring phenomena with otherworldly or spiritual explanations. I chose to look at the ghoul. It's something that you hear a lot of, uh, especially people talk about ghosts and ghouls. Well, what is a ghoul? It's often referred to uh, in, in ancient origin stories, believe it or not. And to do this, I actually went to many different sources. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, Lovecraftian Science.wordpress, and ScienceHowStuffWorks.com. So if you want to find more out about the ghoul, you can head over there. Now, the earliest documentation of the ghoul comes from Mesopotamian civilization one of the oldest civilizations known to mankind. So this creature has actually been with us since the dawn of civilization itself. These creatures were originally called Galu, and they were described as some type of demon. And uh, one of the earliest pre-Islamic origin stories of ghouls is that when devils tried to eavesdrop on heaven, God threw meteors at them. And uh, those meteors hit the ground and ended up turning the eavesdroppers into the ghoul. The ghoul in popular legend, of course, is a demonic being believed to inhabit burial grounds and other deserted places. In ancient Arabic folklore, however, ghouls belong to a diabolic class of jinn. Now, the jinn were, were spirits, and they were said to be the offspring of uh, their prince of darkness in Islam, capable of constantly changing form. Their presence was always recognizable by the unaltered sign, which was they left hoof prints uh, of a donkey behind them as opposed to anything else. Now, in that lore, ghouls stalked the desert, often disguised as an attractive woman, trying to distract travelers, and uh, when ghouls were successful, they ate these travelers that they managed to distract and kind of pull off the main road. The sole defense that anyone had against a ghoul was to strike it dead in one blow with your sword because a second blow would bring it back to life. And many of these talks... Uh, found their way into A Thousand and One Nights, which was translated into various languages and eventually ended up in Europe by the 18th century. And although ghouls were sometimes associated 
with scavenging hyenas. Arabic texts did not identify them as grave robbers who dined on the dead. Instead, this detail uh, was really kind of added uh, with Anton Gallen's uh, French translation of A Thousand and One Nights in the early 18th century. He actually took a lot of liberties when translating that and even kind of created his own character within A Thousand and One Nights, Amina, who uh, actually prefers the company of the dead in a graveyard and graveyard ghouls uh, to that of her new husband. So uh, this inaccurate translation, however, was hugely influential on the way that the Western world would look at ghouls from that point on. Ghouls tend to have varying identifying characteristics based upon the culture that uh, you're really looking into, but they are pretty much everywhere. Ghouls were basically... Kind of, they filled the role of zombies before we had zombies. Mm. Um, they were found in graveyards. They ate the living. They, you know, could look like uh, hanging flesh on them. Uh, and and they, in some cultures, they actually carry disease on their skin. So you didn't even want to touch one of these things. Uh, they are still around in uh, in folklore, but uh, you know those. <clears throat> Those who believe that this stuff is actually around somewhere uh, think that ghouls have gone underground, but they're not gone because their main food source, man, is still around and very abundant. So a lot of people believe that, uh, you know, when uh, uh, the world ends, ghouls will actually resurface. Uh, they'll be part of the cataclysm that ends everything. Mm. So, you know. It's like that old scripture verse. And the ghouls will inherit the earth. <laughs> yeah, right. A different translation. Yeah, right. Yeah, again. Well, yeah. he took liberty. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, uh, when I think back on ghouls, I really think about like video games use ghouls a lot. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. as like yeah. a, a fill-in monster. But again, they're like these mindless creatures that run after you from graveyards. They're usually, you know, they usually don't have fur. But a lot of cultures actually have like furry ghouls uh, because they're associated also with like dog face demons, mm. uh, you know, because dogs, if you think about living out in a desert, uh, living out in these remote areas of the world, if someone or something were to die, that usually got fed on by yeah. hyenas mm -hmm. or any scavenging animal. And so from a distance in the dark, someone could see that and, you know, cause hyenas kind of have that hunched back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're a little, bigger in the front than they are in the rear. Mm -hmm. And so that could look like a squatting human. Right. And, and this is a theory of mine. This, this isn't anything that I found. But they can look like a squatting human feeding on dead flesh. And so if back in the day we were all gathered around the campfire, one of us wanders off into the dark unknowingly a couple hours pass oh well we got to go find aaron and all of a sudden why is it me pack of <laughs> why is it gonna be me well you're, you're the most likely one to wander off i think i mean yeah fair enough yeah one leak's all it takes yeah you, you see like a blue beam off in the distance you're like i'm gonna go see what that is <laughs> curiosity yeah. Yeah. curiosity got fed to the ghouls that's what happened right but i mean i could see how you know because those who you know ran back to the fire were the ones who spread their genes. And mm. so, it, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, and then you can tell those stories of, oh, we saw ghouls out there. It was ghouls eating this person. And, yep. 
Uh, again, it's just the idea that these these beings have been with us since the dawn of time, and we don't really see them in modern media outside of video games anymore because I think you know George Romero filled that role mm-hmm. with the zombie when Night of the Living Dead came out. Um, yeah. Not a lot of people know that Romero's kind of responsible for for that even for i mean yeah. I, yeah. I know it's kind of crazy because people are like well haven't the living dead kind of been with us forever really not not as much as you think if, if it was the living dead it mostly referred to like vampires and things like that mm-hmm. and and as as we go into european belief where due to mistranslations it went from dining on travelers to dining on the dead in europe there was a lot of grave robbers uh, in the Middle Ages, a lot of grave robbery, especially in late, uh, you know, uh, centuries, uh, 18th century, uh, the modernization of science started coming along. People started getting curious. Doctors needed bodies to work on. So believe it or not, they would pay individuals to go out mm-hmm. and exhume bodies and bring them back to the medical uh, colleges so that they could dissect <clears throat> them without anybody knowing to try and further knowledge along. Da Vinci. I mean, he was mm-hmm. literally, it was it was a capital punishment crime to have dead bodies. Yes, Yet was, he would yeah. pay people to bring them back so that he could detail them. Yeah, because you were, you know, you were going against uh god in some way because you were defiling a body and if that happened in a lot of religions you couldn't get into heaven right like so it you had to be buried properly and you had to everything had to be uh you know done in a certain way so that you could actually go to heaven and if that if the church caught you doing that you were done so ghouls would have been a very convenient scapegoat, right? Mm, right. Like yep. you get, oh man, we've got ghouls. We're gonna have to send somebody <clears throat> out, and then you just hire the same guy that you're using to rob the graves. <laughs> right. Go, go catch, take care of him. Go yeah. catch me a ghoul, right? <laughs> so you know, it 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 just fits conveniently, like so many different things, so many different conspiracies that we've gone over, so many different legends and cryptids. Uh, they just fit conveniently where we need them to go. But I think that is why we don't see ghouls in, like, horror movies. I mean, yeah, you've got the Ghoulies, I think, who was a production in the 80s, but they were a bunch of little gremlin-like things. They, they weren't really ghouls, per se, like, yeah. you know, ancient uh, civilization really referred to. It was more of a demon. And in a way, if you really think about it, it was very much like a succubus. Uh, something Grant was talking about beforehand. This is a woman. This is a monster that disguises itself as a beautiful, lusty woman, and she's trying to lead men away from the group, trying to get them isolated by themselves. And these lusty men paid the price mm. because she ended up being this creature that jumped on them and ate their flesh. And then, of course, when uh, you know the translation of A Thousand and One Nights was done, then it just fed into that whole idea that, oh, you know, this evil woman is out there waiting for you and she's going to lead you astray type of deal. So I think it's, it's pretty much the same thing, you know, a succubus and a traditional ghoul, pretty much the same thing. In my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. So that is a ghoul. <clears throat> and, uh, I, I, it's, it's some, it seems somewhat convenient though, that they left donkey like prints in right, a place yeah. where there's donkeys <laughs> all in the sand. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of donkey prints. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, again, it's one of those situations where we have to look at why did this 
creature come forth. You know, it, it's one of those situations you're, you, we're all travelers. We're on a road in the middle of the desert. It's scary out there, man. If you think it gets dark here, it gets dark as heck in a desert. Well, and you stumble across a half-eaten body, mm. you're like, oh, yeah. ghouls. There's ghouls out here. Right. And uh, so we need to come up with a way to kill these things. Um, so one strike with a sword. Don't hit them twice. They come back to life. I wonder where that came from. Two is too many. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I don't understand. Like, who came back and they're like, okay. One time. <laughs> Don't hit it twice. Right. I had to hit it three times to make that thing go down. So you say that the second one brings them back. What if the first one doesn't finish them off? See, that's the thing. Like, I, again, with a mythological creature, you could just make up whatever, right? Like, <laughs> right. like with dragons, well, you know, the tears of a virgin gets yeah. rid of a dragon. Yeah. And as long as you ascertain that thing, you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, it sounds to me like if you don't get it, the job done in the first blow, you're just, you're screwed. And, and, you know, if you really think about it, if I was fighting a ghoul in modern day, uh, you know, Earth, I would probably hit that thing a thousand times right. out of a sheer panic. Yeah, right. the like adrenaline would be going, you just, yeah. just lunge at it, and you just, just go give it everything it. you got. Yeah. Not only that, but you got to think about the poor women who may have been separated from a group, poor women who may have been thrown out of a group because mm-hmm. it was common goddamn practice back then. Mm-hmm. And then she's trying to get the attention of some travelers. And they're like, a ghoul! A ghoul, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, my God! How Probably many just times? hit her once, though. Yeah. <laughs> how many times did that happen? We don't know. If if you're walking around and you're thinking, "I know me some ghouls," and this is like scientific, you know, zoological <laughs> yeah. knowledge at the time, is to know your ghoul. Right. Well, yeah. I got a ghoul professional. He's going to go out and he's going to, you know, chop any wandering woman who's out there by herself, and he's a pro. It's just it's just another reflection of how some of these beliefs are just a detriment to us as a civilization. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, but nowadays, due to European popularity, ghouls are pretty much kind of a hairless, nasty, skinny little creature that hides out in graveyards mm-hmm. and eats the dead. And that is is more of a of a, a good legend for me, because if you do see a hairless little creature... In a graveyard, eating a dead body, I would advise that you either run or hit it once with a sword. Yeah. Right. So that's my goal. Because everybody's got their sword ready. Readily available. At least yeah. if you're going to the graveyard. Now I mean, you know, carry a sword. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Every time you go visit grandma, make sure that you're armed. <laughs> yeah. Does the time of day matter, do you think? I, You know, it, it didn't really say. Um, a lot of this stuff takes place at night mm-hmm. uh, in what I read. And, uh, you know, like I said, like being dark out in the middle of the desert, right. you can see a fire for so oh, yeah. long. I mean, uh, there was a tradition here in the West that if you had family members coming in from outside the plains, you burned a candle on your windshield. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason being is because out here, uh, if, if it's not obstructed by mountains, you can see that candle burning on the plains for miles and miles away. So if you're trying to find your way home in the middle of the night and you're able to see that, you at least know what direction you're supposed to go. Yeah. Out in the middle of the desert, fires can be seen in the middle of the night for miles, I would imagine. Yeah. And, and you know, there were dangers associated with that. Bandits, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, robbers. <clears throat> and highwaymen. Highwaymen, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it was a... 
especially if you were a trader, that's a very sharp reality. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and so you were weary of these things. You know, it, it, it's best not to go wander into the unknown back then. Uh, you know, it you wanted to stay alive. It's not necessarily wise to do it today, even. But oh, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, forming these legends and and a lot of times in Europe. Ghouls, what I did find, they're bedtime stories for children. They scared kids. Mm. Uh, ancient, Do your chores or I'm calling the ghouls. Or, or, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, throwing out yeah. the ghouls. Yeah. Uh, ancient Islamic uh, society actually used it in, in stories to scare their children as well. As well. Like, it's, it's a typical thing going through history. Uh, just like goblins and ghosts and vampires, you know, you use it to scare the kids. But... You know, I'm not sure if uh, people really believed it so much. You know, of course, being linked to a religion, though, uh, it has its roots in a true belief. And I imagine that, you know, just like demons, really, Mm -hmm. right, for the Christian world, demons and devils, they've got the jinn and they've got ghouls that exist to lead men astray. So that is the ghoul. (laughs) Wow, that was ghoulish. Very ghoulish, yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I took on goblins. So the definition of a goblin is in folklore and or fantasy fiction. Um, it's a mischievous, often very ugly little creature that kind of resembles a dwarf. The difference is they're they're a little bit smaller, a little more grotesque, kind of a, I don't know, monstrous type of creature. And they appear in, mainly in Europe, European folklore in the Middle Ages. But there's a lot of similarities between the ghouls mm-hmm. and the goblins. Although the goblins were more ascribed as having various abilities. Um, like magical properties? Di- different, just different abilities. Some, some were good with chores around the house. Some were murderous. Hmm. And, and so, but not all of them were creatures like... That would harm people. They'd do chores for you. So you right. had good goblins and bad goblins. Absolutely. So it, it's that. interesting because hear. goblins range in behavior. So there's ones that are mischievous but helpful. But then there's spirits that are actually malevolent thieves and killers. And we we all are familiar if, if you play video games or whatever with, you know, the goblin that's like, time's money. You know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like, uh, yeah. bring me the gold. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> So some of them are are kind of pictured that way. Others are a little bit nicer. Often described as very short in stature, big nose, absolute lust for gold. I mean, that's kind of what goblins are known for. Interestingly, though, although they are creatures of middle-age folklore, you can't really barely open a book, play a video game, or watch a movie that deals with like some sort of fantasy realism that doesn't contain a goblin. It's like the the yeah. cornerstone foot soldier monster villain, right? Like either foot soldier monster villain, so Tolkien, you know, yeah. Yeah. orcs are basically goblins. They're they're just a different branch. But then you look at the Harry Potter series, mm-hmm. and, and they're bankers or something well, like that. Right? Well, those those are more dwarves. They're kind of goblinish, but like Dobie, yeah, the little dwarf that or goblin rather that helps out. So. You can see, you know, there's there's a lot of differentiation in just goblins overall. 
So a generally accepted belief is that most goblins are impish but friendly. That is, you, it, but until you come between them. If you come between them and gold, mm. then they turn into the malevolent killers uh, okay. that we all know and love. Uh, there's also hobgoblins. So hob is generally defined as elf or elf-ish, actually born of a fairy kind of genre, I guess. So hobgoblins are actually associated with home and hearth. They're a type of fairy spirit that are found in human dwellings. They wait until everybody goes to bed at night. They come out and they do chores for the household. They'll darn socks, do dishes, whatever, and all they want in return is food. Hmm. But they won't ask for the food. They'll just take it. Mm. So It's a great way to explain missing food. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But only if the dishes got done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what happened to all those pizzas. <laughs> must have been the goblins. But hey, the floor swept. Right, exactly. So then there's, there's kind of a variation of a hobgoblin called a brownie. And these are goblins that come out late night, do the chores, everything. But they're kind of a little bit smaller in stature, covered in hair. Almost, in a way, in, in a lot of depictions, look like a bat. Really? Like a little humanoid-type bat that walks on its hmm. hind legs. And really, in all the research that I was doing and trying to write down notes and everything, my little Frenchie comes up and she stands up to look at me and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> You're a goblin. You're a goblin. <laughs> she looks like a brownie. Yeah. <laughs> really cute, but also can be a little terrifying. Although the brownies aren't as mischievous. They're actually very, very helpful. Whereas the regular hobgoblins are very helpful, but if you make them feel bad in any way or whatever, you know, they'll kick over a can of, or a bottle of milk or they'll move things on you. So they're a little more mischievous than the brownies. But, you know, if, if your home is plagued with a mischievous hobgoblin, it's said that if you offer it a new piece of clothing, it will leave. Because they're too proud to accept gifts. So if you have something that's that's terrorizing your home or whatever, and you leave out, you know, new baby clothes or dog clothes or whatever, it's said that it'll just dissipate. Something small enough that it can wear. Yep. It'll take it and hit the road. Nope, it won't take it. It's offended because it's too proud to take your offering. It must not have done something right, so it just leaves. Wow. Feeling as though <laughs> that's interesting. it's unappreciated. Yeah, it, huh. it's kind of crazy that's kind of unique in like that is the, it that is a little unique yeah and the way to get rid of uh unwanted uh presences right uh, except then you get into the red cap goblins oh wow i haven't heard now, about these guys trying to get rid of these guys is a different thing so red cap is a murderous little goblin bastard that would kill <laughs> anyone that encroached upon its territory or near its treasure and kill them preferably by throwing stones at them mm. until it kills them then it would go over, take its hat, and sop up the blood and put it back on hmm. as a sign to other people not to encroach on my territory okay. or come near my treasure. So the only way that you could get rid of a red cap is you could chase it off by reciting scripture, but even better, if you whipped out a crucifix upon seeing it, it would burst into flames, only leaving behind one giant, large 
tooth in its place. Huh. Okay. So you need a sword and a crucifix <laughs> if you're going to the grave. Uh, yeah, I guess so. In other European countries, uh, goblins were said to have you know, large head, green skin, yellow eyes, hooved feet. And in a lot of cultures, they were banished to the underworld, and they would only come out at night. And this is kind of where that whole legend of the baby went missing kind of thing comes yeah. from, is they would come out at night, and oftentimes they would take human children out of a cradle, but in return, they would leave a goblin child. Mm. Imagine waking up to that. Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's just how they would explain ugly kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was breathtaking before. <laughs> yeah. So there's even thoughts of the story we all you know, know and maybe love Rumpelstiltskin yeah. of him actually being a red hat goblin because of his use of trickery and his lust and love for gold mm. that he's often depicted wearing a red hat and he's very short as we all yeah. know from the story. Yep. That's so, interesting because usually like whenever somebody read that to me, I always pictured like an old man, right? You know, not, not like a goblin, but mm. from here on, like it's, that's a he, goblin quality. He could be in, I mean, you think about like an old man, you know, kind of shriveled, shriveled yeah. up, mm. shorter, kind of hunched over, red cap on. <laughs> you know, yeah. hey, if you're out there, put it in the comments whether you think he's a goblin or not. And then in Span or in Spain and Portugal, we have the transgu, which is kind of like a forest prankster, small man, very slight, very slender, walks with a limp, has holes in his hands. Which I found interesting. Holes in his hand. Mm-hmm. And a red-pointed cap. So it almost leads me to wonder if there isn't some tie to crucifixions and this guy in the woods. Why would he have holes in his hands? Yeah, that's, yeah. Hmm. that's odd. And one of the things that one of the legends and stories is, is that once he attaches to you, you can't get rid of him unless you can ask him to do a chore that he cannot do, and if he cannot complete it, he's so proud that it drives him insane, and he leaves. So one of the one of the stories goes that if one of these guys, a transgu, attaches itself to you, ask him to retrieve a bucket of water from one bucket to another using just his hands, because he can't, mm. because he has holes in them. Mm. So it all leaks out, so he'll leave. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. Huh. Easy way to get rid of one of those little guys. Though, right. right? Yeah. yeah, I think they'd find a way to close that loophole somehow. <laughs> you would imagine. <laughs> Duct tape. I've been asked this too many times. we got to change the rules. You guys have seen that flex spray, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Works on a boat. It works on a boat. <laughs> Work on your hands. Then we have the Kelly Kenzaris in Greece. They live underground for most of the year. They only come out to wreak havoc between December 25th and January 6th. Hmm. They're also known as the Christmas goblins. Hmm. They spend the majority of their year underground working at sawing down what is called the world tree. It's the tree that basically holds up the world. And as they are just nearing getting this task completed, December 25th hits, interesting that it's Christmas, they come out to wreak havoc until January 6th. And by the time they go back underground, the tree has 
rejuvenated and hmm. regenerated itself to the point that they have to start over. <laughs> so they never actually end the world. It's just but a they're always right there to get it done. Cycle of madness. That I think a lot of those of guys a... ran for Congress. <laughs> <laughs> just this close just to getting the job close done. close to ending the world, but and, government shut down. Yeah, went, yeah. went on a week-long bender and then... <laughs> and <laughs> I forgot is... what I was doing. <laughs> so basically from this, kind of like yours, goblins are in every culture all over the geographic globe, you know, from Greece to Europe to, I mean, they're just, they're everywhere. They're in movies, they're in books, they're in video games like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And with Tolkien, you know, a lot of people wondered, you know, what's the difference between an orc and a goblin and Tolkien? And they're kind of synonymous. They're, right. they're both from the same, they both or, originated from the same point. But, uh, but like one group is just kind of like the deformed, the the lesser of the two. Right. You know, the goblins are the smaller, skinnier, nastier looking ones. Maybe they're carrying a disease or whatever. They're usually hiding out in caves. Orcs, on the other hand, they're like the bigger, more capable ones. They're able to actually build a functioning society and have an economy and everything. Goblins more or less really don't. I just find it really fascinating that there's so many characteristics about goblins that span throughout not just history, but all the cultures. Oh, absolutely. The want of gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the red hats came up more than once. Uh, yep. The idea that they're going to help you do chores. Right. Like, that's incredible to me. Well, and it's funny because the Kelly Kanzaris in Greece actually are often depicted as almost like a... Like a pan type creature. Yeah, yeah. See, I was you know, gonna, like a little, a little goatee, originate, a little yeah. devilly. And so, going from that to little tiny green goblins, or William Defoe in yeah, Spider Man, the, the Green Goblin, the Green Goblin, to these brownies that look like bats that walk on their hind legs. It's there's just so many different types of goblins out there, and I think it's because it's whatever culturally fit. Yeah. At the time, they go, oh well, you know, the devil looks like a, he's got goat legs, so the Kalikanzaris, that's what they look like. So mm-hmm. that's our goblin. Mm-hmm. And the other people are like, oh no, they're they have huge heads, green skin, yellow eyes, nasty teeth. But then the red hat looks completely different than anything. Yeah, almost sounds like of, a, like an elf or something. Almost like an elf, lot sharp teeth, talon-like claws on its three fingers, you know, I mean just different than what you would picture Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. looking like. Yeah, I picture just a little old man who <laughs> had who was magic. That's what I always thought right. Rumpelstiltskin was. So a lot of goblins are magic, a lot of goblins interestingly like ghouls are shapeshifters. Yep. Um prime example would be like Puck from Midsummer's Night Dream from Shakespeare is a prime example of a shape-shifting goblin. It, they're just, they're, they're fascinating because they're so different in all the cultures and wherever you are in mm-hmm. society. And, and I've noticed like a lot of creatures do that. Uh, you know, we share these stories and many of these stories spread through trade routes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. people want to hear about your culture. People want to hear about the monsters and, you know, you gathering children around the campfire and warning them of, you know, the djinn and the ghouls and the monsters are going to come and get them and the goblins. And and also finding explanations for things. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the show, I talked about how 
mankind has historically basically been like, well, I don't have this knowledge of what happened, so I'll fill in the gap. Obviously, right. this is a goblin who right. came in, <laughs> stole that yeah. loaf of bread. But for lack of a better explanation, this is what this it is must what be. happened. Yeah, and then you go off and you tell your buddies this. You know, got a hoblog goblin over there at the house. Got to figure out how to get rid of him. You know, and right. but it carries on. I don't know. I think if I had a hobgoblin that's a little bit mischievous, but it's like doing chores, like I don't have to do the dishes and it eats a piece of pizza, sign me up. Hey, it's not man. much different from having a teenager. Right. What do you guys remember? Do you remember the the cobbler, the story of the cobbler? Yes. Yeah. The but weren't those elves? Those were like, elves. Yeah, elves had come out. They'd fix the shoe, and then like he took credit for their work or something like that. He either took credit for their work or he didn't thank them. Yeah, uh, something happened. It, it went wrong just, somehow. Yeah, yeah. and they but turned on him and destroyed the whole thing. The word hob equals elf, so elfish type mm. goblins. Goblin. Yeah, so they came out, did the work, whatever, and yeah, he didn't feed him or didn't thank him or there was, there was something that happened something yeah. bad went down with and the... it's just fascinating to me that uh you know a lot of european history refers to how helpful some of these things mm-hmm. were as opposed to just being yeah. like a plague on society yeah they weren't just like evil spirits they had like more depth to them more. yeah it wasn't just something bad to be afraid of they didn't just steal the baby. They also left you an ugly one. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, they could have just taken the baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the baby exchange uh, program. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that we have a goblin in the house, but somebody that lives in the house misplaces their keys a lot <laughs> and doesn't really know where they went. That, that and was, then we'll find yeah. them later. So I'm... I'm going goblin. I'd bet goblin. That was prophesied in Life of Brian, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think Brian was the one who prophesied that. The coming of the goblin. <laughs> no, the, the person leaving their keys and not knowing where they left them just a, an hour or two before. And yes. I think it was one of the prophecies that was when they were all lined up there doing their their stuff about the yeah. what was coming. Yep, yep. I remember that. So what's the earliest depiction of a goblin that we can so really... that was hard to trace down yeah i mean it just it said middle ages it didn't really give like you know, a century a, yeah. yeah a specific time frame like you know where, where are we talking like 800s mm. 1200 you know? well you said in even in ancient greece but i mean like that's mm-hmm. i don't know if that's like a loose link between you know medieval days or ancient greece but it kind of sounds like ancient greece is where the "Quote unquote goblin originated from. Well, that's where that all mythology. the good stuff came from, right? Minotaurs, yeah. giants. You know, I mean, all that stuff. So I would imagine that past that, you know, past Iliad's The Odyssey or something, that you get more away from minotaurs and things like that to goblins. Yeah, and a little more up to date mm-hmm. things that you're not gonna see, as opposed to you know, I've never seen a centaur, so I don't think they're real. Right. Or a minotaur. I think there was only one in Greek mythology. But, yeah, so you could explain why Mm -hmm. you didn't see them in the house. You know, odd things happened. Odd things happen at my house all the time. (laughs) Right. And I'm left going, okay, maybe I'm losing it. (laughs) Like, I put my keys in the same place. They're not there. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're, like, literally, like, across the room on top of the microwave. And I'm like, did I do that? Yeah. No, it must be a goblin. You know, I've always kind of figured that gremlins and goblins were closely related. Um, gremlins uh, in mythology supposedly helped man learn how to fly. Right. 
and also helped us along with technology. But because we didn't thank them, they now cause airplane accidents. Right. Mm. And well, that's why so, the old saying, there's a gremlin in the machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because uh, you didn't thank me for this advancement of technology, so now I'm going to be a problem for you for, the, for all of time. And what a lot of people don't know is, like, you remember the old uh, Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Right? There's something on the wing of this plane. Yeah. That's a gremlin. Right. Uh, a lot yeah. of people don't make that association. There was a gremlin on the plane. He was trying to cause the plane to crash, and this man just happened to actually see it. William Shatner. Which... Fantastic! It was one of by the, the best episodes. It really was. Ever. It was because great. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, you watch it now, and you're like, "Wow, really? yeah." <laughs> but at the time, it was like, "Oh, frightening." And think about it, everybody knows that episode. Like, right. you talk about Twilight Zone, everyone knows that episode. And then, of course, I think it was uh, who was it? Uh, is his name John Cleese redid it in the 1980s Twilight Zone, and that one was actually that was really good. They did a fantastic mm. job on that. So we all have these odd superstitions, these these strange beliefs, or it might seem strange to other people. When I was a little kid, I don't really think that I ever believed in any specific type of monster. Um, by nine years old, I knew about greys and aliens, mm. and I was much more concerned about them than I was like demons or, yeah, or goblins. Know, goblins or anything coming to get me. Again, you know, and I was also like an avid fantasy reader. So a goblin was, you know, I had a very set image of what it was. Huge ears, big nose, sharp chin, small, and they were like the little lackeys of any, you know, master somewhere who wanted to do evil to the landscape. He'd send out the goblins. Uh, but when it comes to these types of beliefs and, and odd superstitions and odd happenings, Steve, what did you find? I just kind of thought there's a lot, of, there's just tons of that stuff. Um, you know, the number 13, uh, being unlucky, um, you know, how there's no 13th floor on buildings and things like that. Which drives me nuts because we've talked about this. <laughs> yeah. There still is a 13th floor. Yeah. They just relabel it. They just choose not to acknowledge You'd have it, to right? concrete that whole floor and actually like pass by it. Yeah. You, you would have to actually build it. Yes. And then not, then pretend it doesn't exist or something. Right. Otherwise it's the 14th floor is the 13th floor. Right. right? So, so changing what it's called doesn't change what it is. But, but does it change the vibe? And that's the thing. Like, would Apollo 13 still have had its problems had it not been the thir- named 13? If, it was, if they'd named them differently, it probably would have still had the issue because the oxygen tank would have still been built in that line in the production. It would have still ended up in that particular spacecraft, and they would have had the problem. So, yeah, what is it? Is it actually the fact that it is the 13th floor mm-hmm. or that we call it the 13th floor that gives it the bad luck? What do you, uh, so when it comes to superstitions, do you, and you're pretty much a man of science, but do you have any superstitions? Well, I, I, I don't know if you count it as a superstition or not, but I do kind of things like counting steps and stuff like that. If I'm going up and down a flight of stairs, I'll count them. Yeah. And um, it'll be, I'll tell myself it's good luck if it's a certain number. I know like I, there, there is a thing, and I think in the Philippines, where if it's uh, divisible by three, it's bad luck. But I don't, I don't really do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I'll, I'll count steps. Like, I'll, I'll leave a store and say, good luck if I make it to the truck in less than X number of steps. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if that's a superstition, but it's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's superstitious maybe. My grandma, Ruth Throckmorton, saw me throw my hat on a bed once. 
Oh, and oh. holy yeah. cow! You'd have thought that the world ended. Let the bad spirits into the bed. So I have never put a hat on a bed since. Crap! And <laughs> I threw my hat on the bed all the time. Well, that explains <laughs> all the goblins and everything. There you go. Now, now we know why you can't find your keys. Right. All right. It's yeah. nobody's fault but your own. Because the good spirits live in in the trees. Yep. And, and the that's bad why spirits live in your hair. That's right. So you got to knock on wood before you say anything. You know, or up. If you if you say that it's going to happen, unless knock on some wood and you summon those good spirits forward, mm-hmm. which a lot of people just do these things. But that's the funniest part about it is you know some people be like, well, hopefully I make it home. Knock on wood, and they don't even know what <laughs> they don't know they what, don't they're, what, they're, what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, what they're actually doing. Yeah, well, and weddings are full of superstitious things, like you know the the the, the groom on the right. And the bride on the left, so the groom can have his sword ready in yep. case he has to, you know, protect her. Uh, the best man was the best swordsman. Um, all the bridesmaids dressing alike um, as decoys, basically. To throw off anybody yeah. from grabbing onto the bride or something like that, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Um, carrying the bride over the threshold it would be bad luck if she tripped. So now the guy trips instead. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's all kind of the, the sorrow, something borrowed, something blue, all that kind of stuff that, that all... All that is superstitious stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We call it tradition. Right. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. A lot, of, a lot of traditions, a lot of superstitions all go back to, a lot of it has religious uh, or, origins too, yeah. which is interesting. And like you were saying, there's there's commonality between a lot of different cultures. I mean, different numbers for different cultures are unlucky. Um, Friday being unlucky is kind of a Christian thing because of Jesus being uh, crucified on a Friday. Um, but And I think like number six is unlucky in some cultures where you're not that big of a deal but we like the number 12 i wonder why the number 13 i I couldn't really find any specific reason why 13 is unlucky other than the fact that we like 12 there's a lot of 12s yeah and one more than 12 is like not good because like uh the 13th uh participant in the last supper or something like that you know Mm. would would be the one that would turn everything bad that's a good point um and and to look at as to why uh wasn't there a historical event that took place having to do with the Crusaders on a Friday the 13th? Oh, might have been, yeah, where they like kind of came together. A slaughter or something yeah. that happened took place. Um, because the number 13, for some reason, I've always kind of wondered that myself. Why is this so unlucky? I've never minded it. Yeah. It's and never I, bothered me. And I don't me. know why, because people are like, ooh, it's the 13th, Friday the 13th. And if it's and Friday like, the 13th, it's especially okay. that. Okay, we yeah. just had a Friday yeah. the 13th. Mm-hmm. And it- now, I think that did actually come from... Something having to do with like a a butcher uh, that happened to a, a group of people, and so the whole date was just faint bell, yeah. it was literally just left alone. Where everyone's like, "Well, that's a bad day," you know. Mm. We just leave that day alone. But when we look at superstitions, it's 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 really odd because, like I said, I still do. I'm not superstitious, but in honor of my grandmother, I don't do certain things. Okay. Right. When and another thing, and I don't know why, my grandma Ruth was very, very superstitious woman. Absolutely no black cats. Wouldn't have them. Keep them away from everybody. When you walked uh, down the street with somebody and a pole or a oh. doorway or mm-hmm. something passed between you, you had to say bread and butter. See, mm. and why? Kranz does that all the time. We'll be holding hands, going to Stuff Mart or whatever, and they've got those big balusters out front. Yeah. And she'll let go and say bread and butter. And I'm like, what where, is that? <laughs> and I, I have no idea where it comes from. I don't know. But one of the very few times that my grandmother 
left the apartment when I was a kid. We we were taking her to a dinner or something, and I was leading her. I was about nine years old and leading her up to the doorway, and it was one of those double doors, and she took one and I took the other, and she stopped right there, and she's like, you have to say bread and butter. Mm. I didn't ask why. You know, it was my grandmother. Okay, bread and butter. Boom. All right, now we're good to go. Never even really crossed my mind to stop and go, where the heck did that come from? And I don't do it with my wife now, out loud. <laughs> but, you, but you think. But I'll do it. Yeah. Every single yeah. time, I'll think bread and butter. You know, That's and I'm funny. like, that covers my bases. So yeah. here, here's one that I was not hip to at all. Driving the kids somewhere, this is years ago, you go over the railroad tracks and you have to tap glass in the car. Yeah. Hmm. I had never heard of that in my life. And they're like, oh no, it's good luck. And I'm like, okay, I've made it this far. <laughs> and I've yeah. never tapped glass. And we would go over railroad tracks, and I wouldn't do it, and they'd get mad. Like, yeah. oh, oh yeah, you're bringing cursing, bad luck. You're bringing the whole car down, man. <laughs> <Right? laughs> We're going to get hit by a train. This is all on you, buddy. You know, and, and another thing with bridges, I, when I was younger, uh, driving around, you know, cruising the gut with, with teenage girls, and you think you're cool. But every time you go over a bridge, all the girls lift their feet and their hands up right. in the air. Mm. Otherwise, the you're summoning trolls. <laughs> and I was like, where did that even come from? Weird. It's, it's, it yeah. was odd, man. And so we, it didn't happen a lot. I think it was more of a trend rather than a superstition, you know, where it's just one of those playful things. So we always had one where, like, if you go through a tunnel, you have to hold your breath yep. from the beginning of the tunnel to the end. And if you can't or you don't... <laughs> I don't know what happens. That makes going through Thermopolis uh, uh, really <laughs> rough, man. Right? Like, I've tried, and you can't hold your breath for that time. And especially was... you don't want the driver doing it. Yeah. Like passing out. Pass out. Yeah. Start getting dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to wreck, so I better hold my breath, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... Holding your breath when you go past a cemetery. Yes. Uh, um, I've heard of that one. Because of the spirits. Well, because the, their breath was your life. Yep. And if your breath left you, then that's what killed you. And so I mean, geez, could you imagine these things being developed in the days of carriages and horses? Oh. That's terrible. It would it'd take yeah. forever. People <laughs> yeah. just passing you out. You couldn't hold your breath that long, yeah. I think the black cat crossing your path comes from those days, though. Um, Victorian age? Yeah, yeah, because the cat's reflective eyes would spook the horse. And so if it crossed your path, I don't know if it was specifically a black cat, but any cat crossing your path would have been bad luck if it spooked the horse. So. Well, and you can't see that cat, right? Unless it does turn and yeah, look at you. Yeah, and the eyes so. are what you see. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think everybody you know, out there listening has probably seen the old cat in the hallway in the middle of the night. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's all fine unless you don't own a cat. <laughs> yeah. Now you got an issue. Yeah. Uh, going under a ladder. Uh, pa- passing under a ladder. I think that has religious stuff because of the triangle formed by the ladder leaning up against a wall representing the Trinity. Passing mm. through that is like somehow not, you know, desecrating it somehow. Mm. Do you, So do anyone else in your family ha- hold any kind of superstition to your knowledge? Not that I know of, but that's like I don't tell anybody about the step thing. This is probably the first time I've told anybody well, about now that. now everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the whole world knows, but... It's really odd because... It, it, when I can, I still avoid stepping on cracks. Break your mother's oh, back. Because I, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got to be I keep do that safe. too. Yeah, I do that too, but I don't know if I do. I don't actually think of that. I just try not to step on them. It's but. just really funny the way that we, because like I said, I'm not a superstitious person, and yet I almost like add a tradition. Mm-hmm. I just don't do these little things, and they become little 
corpse yeah. that I keep all to myself. And it's kind of those things that there's no harm in doing it, really. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, you're not risking anything if you just step over the crack. Right. It's not that big of a deal. But I make sure I don't step on cranks. I make sure that there's no hats on any beds. I mean, even when I was in the Army sharing rooms with fellow soldiers, they throw their hat on the bed first thing. At that, 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 that. I'm not going to tell you why, but I can't have that there, trooper. Let's let's find a table. You know, and a lot of times, you know, my soldiers are like, oh, all right, sergeant, you know, thinking, yeah. keeping the room clean, and right, I never right. let them know it's because my grandma said that's going to bring bad luck. So. Yeah. I kind of wonder, I kinda <laughs> wonder how many people we don't need that. hang on to stuff like that and, and you just keep it to yourself. You know what I mean? think a lot of people yeah. do. I think there are little things like that that a lot of us probably do. Well, and I think, you know, you end up doing it subconsciously because as a kid, you know, your grandmother said... Mm-hmm. Don't do that. So that kind of ingrains itself. You don't even think about it necessarily anymore. You just go, oh, nope, I'll hang it over here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh, bad shit's going to happen <laughs> yeah. if I throw this over there. Although, I mean, I know we do it even. If if you randomly say something and you're like, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. Or like that, you don't want to put it out there. Yeah. Then you say cancel seven times. Right. And it yeah. goes away. Yeah. What, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think those things are like, why tempt fate? If it's so easy just not to put the hat on the bed, <laughs> then, then just, just don't, don't do it. Yeah, I mean, why right. tempt yeah. fate? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, mean, I never understood, like, if you spill the salt, you know, you, you got to throw, throw it over your shoulder. Your... That, that one because, I never understood. Uh, I think I've, I've heard about that one. It's because it gets in the devil's eye if you toss it over your left shoulder. Apparently, the devil's always back there over your left shoulder. Okay. And, of course, well, the salt. frightening. <laughs> yeah. So it gets in the devil's eye, and then, uh, and of course, spilling the salt. Salt was valuable. You know, spilling that is is bad anyway. If you spill something valuable back in those days, yeah, salt was pretty valuable back. So in the day. yeah, that would be bad luck on its own. Interesting. Yeah. Inner transdimensional demon can't do salt though. Yeah, right. I can't mean, there's always salt. that one weakness. Yeah, doesn't like leave out a shirt. Ah, sorry. You, yeah, I, I can't. I am I can't, insulted, I can't, sir. That's it. I'm out of here. I will not yeah. live in a house that is willing <laughs> to give me presents. Yeah, <laughs> toss the salt. I mean, there's there's always that one little. Loophole one, that you can exactly, and you got to know this loophole, and you had <laughs> and to everybody find... knows it. Yeah. So, <laughs> but see, back in the day, you had these individuals who were like lore masters of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like who kept this guarded. You know, the magicians. Well, before the Christians arrived, started burning everybody. But you had these witch doctors and magicians who knew all this knowledge, and they knew how to get rid of a spirit from the house. And a lot of, of course, you know, it's placebo, mm-hmm. but. How powerful is a placebo? Medical professionals mm-hmm. will tell you that's pretty dang powerful. It is, yeah. Because they run tests, you know, telling people this is what the drug's going to do to you, and then giving them a sugar pill. And this person shows up, and they're like, man, I've never felt better. I right. feel amazing. Thank you for that wonder drug. Yeah. Belief is such a powerful thing. Um, I really do feel that there's a lot about our brain we don't understand. Don't get me wrong. The human brain was designed to do one thing, okay? Live long enough to procreate. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's it. I hate to break it to everybody, but uh, during the evolution of the world, we were not solving complex equations. That's just something that came along with the rest of it. Our brain is designed to keep you alive long enough to procreate and carry on the species. Everything else is just icing on that cake. Mm-hmm. But... What else is it, can it accomplish? And I think as we go forward with neuroscience and medical studies and technology, we're starting to learn that our brain has much more impact on the physical health of the body 
Mm-hmm. And we're also starting to learn that the heart has much more of an impact on how the brain thinks. So maybe those ancient know. medicines had something after all, where they you thought know, the heart was the source of all of that. What I really appreciate about the Veterans Administration, okay, is they have been willing to take a step back and look at alternate medicines and really put time, money, and effort into seeing if this stuff's going to work. And now veterans have the opportunity to get things like, uh, uh, you know, Buddhist meditation, uh, to go in and just to meditate. And it's, it's really helped a lot of people. It's helped me. Uh, you can also go down and get acupuncture, acupuncture mm-hmm. because it's been, you know, it makes a difference. Right. And so a lot of the stuff that we've seen as pseudoscience classically is really kind of making its way back, not because of a new age movement, but because we're starting to make connections at the smaller scale of the galaxy, you know, that maybe this really is making an impact. Now, I haven't double-checked this because it sounds pretty pretty wild, but I've heard that if you take a blood sample and and take it 300 miles away, but pay attention to what the DNA is doing, and I don't know anything beyond very surface level here of this, uh, but then you cause the person who you took the sample from massive emotional stress. Somehow that DNA will react. Now, the person who told me this never told me how DNA is reacting because yeah. DNA pretty hmm. much sits there. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, how can you measure the reaction? It's not the DNA isn't looking at you going, hey, man, what the hell are you doing with my body? You know, <laughs> right. like it, how does DNA yeah. react? But what we have learned is trees communicate. String theory. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're starting to learn a little bit more that we didn't know, and, and a lot of us used to laugh at back in the day, where it's like, you know what, maybe this stuff has definitely has some merit to it mm-hmm. as we go forward. Yeah, it persists, but maybe not just because of superstitions. It persists because there is something going on. Maybe there's something to it, exactly. And, you know, uh, one thing that I was... <laughs> Don't don't really kind of scoff at the things that we don't know, even though we do all the time, <laughs> right. um, you know, but but yeah, um, superstitions are, are something that have been with us since the very, very beginning. Wish upon a star. Right. If you grab a dandelion and, and blow it away, there goes a wish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, birthday and candles. Absolutely. Birthday candles. Yeah. I mean, that's all superstition and it's all tradition. Right. Yeah, and so much of it is stuff you don't even think about yeah. that you just do because that's what we do. And it's really interesting how these superstitions have become such a big part of culture, mm-hmm. who we are as a people. And because if you go somewhere into a new culture and you do a faux pas, like right. throwing a hat on a bed, yeah, I know you're not one of us. Right. You would know better than that if you lived here. Or if you were from here, you'd know that that's bad Take luck. your shoes off at the door. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, if you have certain ailments, well, obviously a demon's attached itself to you. What have you done? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah that you... is the big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It might take a while to delve into that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, so, I mean, like, it's just one of those things where it's such a big part of us. And we don't even really stop to think about it. Superstition is a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. It's part of humanity, part of being human. Exactly. And I think, you know, it would almost be a shame to lose those things. Yeah. 
And yeah. maybe it is because it reminds me of my grandma. You know, <laughs> right. where I, right. I keep a hat off the bed because grandma wouldn't like it. Not because I believe the same thing. It's not going to bring me bad luck, but my grandma wouldn't like it. So I'm not going <laughs> to let that happen. Yeah. It's not going to fly. But like Steve said, too, why risk it? Yeah. I mean, if, if, it, if it's that simple between throw it on the bed or throw it on the nightstand, <laughs> and that one could be really bad. Yeah. Yeah, put it on the night. I'll put it right. on the night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want the last word on this one, Steve? I think there's uh, plenty of material here for future shows. Uh, you know, crossing your fingers, uh, all kinds of you know seasonal traditions that we do that have superstitions attached to them. So, uh, I, I think you summed it up nicely, though. That uh, it's one of those nice things about being human that it'd be kind of a shame to lose it. It really would. All right, you've been watching Jackalopes Explore. And then we'll talk about the... Uh...